Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. As a qualified nutritionist, I'm here to strip away the nonsense and get down to the bare essentials of nutrition and wellness. Join us as we debunk myths, chat with top-notch experts, and serve up practical tips that will leave you feeling empowered. Get ready to uncover the naked truth about living your healthiest life. Let's undress. Welcome back to the Naked Wellness Podcast. I'm super excited because today I have a special guest with me. I have Lindsay Plescott. Lindsay is a qualified nutritionist who specializes in helping people to really heal their relationship with food and just change their mindset around their bodies, but also around the way that they think and feel about food. She has this very beautiful approach of how to actually make food feel good, which obviously aligns so much with me and my messaging and what I help my clients through. So I am so excited for our chat today because we are going to dive deep into all things food freedom, intuitive eating, healing your relationship with both food and your body. So welcome, Lindsay. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, it's amazing. Did you want to start off with telling us a little bit about yourself? What is your story? You know, have you been on your own health journey? Give us a bit of a background story about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, my story goes kind of way back. Um, it kind of all started like I, I grew up playing a lot of sports kind of at like a high level. And it was always something that I was really into. I was kind of always interested in like health and um, nutrition and all those kinds of things. Um, and then I think like, I guess many people do when I got into high school, really, I kind of, I just became like really focused on food and it started off like fairly innocently, but essentially I like started dieting in grade eight. And you know, I don't even, when I think back on it, I don't know exactly what it was, but I think as I've learned more about myself over the years, I really think it was a way to like feel in control. Like it was such a big change in my life. There was so much going on and so much felt out of control, but I think it really was more about control. And when I look back now, maybe even a way to kind of like cope with anxiety. Um, but yeah, it really started back then. And it ended up being this like decade long journey of just really, you know, despite kind of having a, a decent knowledge base around nutrition and the human body and all of those things. Um, yeah, I, I think I just kind of got consumed with that combination of like messaging in the media. And, you know, again, that that feeling of control, that like dopamine hit that we get when, you know, we're being praised for the control that we have or the way that our maybe our body's changing and all of those things. And so yeah, it really kind of just started this, like, it just kind of got worse and worse over time. And, you know, I think at a certain point, like probably around grade, grade 12, I realized how much it was really impacting my life, like everything from my friendships. Like I remember like not being invited out for lunch because my friends would be like, well, Lindsay's not going to eat anything or, mm -hmm. you know, my relationship, like my boyfriend at the time and his family, like it put a lot of pressure on that relationship. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, I played like a lot of sports at a pretty high level, especially soccer. And I just remember it really impacting my performance at, at that point. And I think around then was when I started to like really realize that this, this was not working um, as much as it was giving me the sense of control. It was having such a negative impact on my life. And I was missing out on so many important moments because I was just 
constantly in my head and, and really like it did start to feel like torture. Um, and so I think like that was kind of when I started to realize like, I don't want to live like this anymore, but I don't really know what to do. And at that point, we actually had a dietitian come and speak with us um, at school because we were starting to think about like, what are we going to do in university? And you know, so it was kind of like an intro to, or just, yeah, I guess an intro to a career as a dietitian. What do they do? What is this world? And I was so interested, like we were really lucky to have a dietitian that did sort of have a similar philosophy all around the power of food and nutrition and a positive approach to what it can do for us instead of, I think what we often see is like that fear mongering and what we need to cut out and really just being yeah fearful of food and what we're putting into our bodies. And so I think, again, I had always really been interested in like sciences at like some form of sciences as a career, you know, whether that was like being a therapist or a doctor or like all of those kinds of things. And this just really struck me as like, wow, I can't believe this is a, a career. So I think it kind of piqued my interest, like as a career, but also personally, like I just wanted to learn more about nutrition. And so I think it, it definitely started off as more of a personal journey. And there was times along the way that I was like, is this actually what I want to do for a job? I don't even know what a dietitian does. Um, but it, yeah, it kind of got me into that world. And so I think from there, I just sort of saw that there was this big opportunity to, I mean, for myself, it kind of was that introduction to, I didn't realize at the time what it was, but like mindfulness, mindful eating, intuitive eating, and sort of through that, I ended up healing my own relationship with food and, and coming out of that disordered eating. You know, it, it definitely took a long time, but I think that's why I'm so passionate about what I do now is like, I think of all the time and years and important moments that I, you know, to some degree wasted in my life. Like, again, you can look back at everything as a learning experience, but I just, I don't want others to, to struggle with that or for it to take so long. Or, you know, like you said, I know you work with a lot of clients too, where sometimes it's kind of just, you just realize that some of these thoughts are not necessarily quote unquote normal, but it's like, what do I do from here? So that's kind of like the, the long and short of it. Um, but that's how I got into this field. And then, you know, I think from there, again, there's so many different routes that you can go, but I really knew that I was interested in this sort of like disordered eating world, like not necessarily clinical eating disorders, but just, you know, working and helping others who, you know, food is just preoccupying their mind and both helping to support like the, the psychological and mental and emotional side of it. But then also like as a dietitian, I love nutrition. I find it so exciting and empowering, um, but it didn't always feel like like that. Right. So I think mm -hmm. I love that combination of like first addressing the mindset and understanding where all these thoughts come from and, you know, really understanding how we want to feel. And then after that, like my approach is a little bit backwards in the sense that like, often we don't even talk about nutrition until, you know, weeks into the program that I run or weeks into working with clients like we yeah we don't really get to that until we know that it's going to be with the right intention of tackling that nutrition piece. Yeah. And what a journey that you've been on. I think it's so cool because obviously you have been at both ends now as well. Like you've been through everything and now you've come out the other side and you know genuinely what and other people get to experience and how they can live their life. And you're so right. When you are in amongst and food is just on your mind 24 seven, it does stop you from doing and achieving so many other things that you want to in your life. And one of the questions that I always ask my clients is, you know, when you're 80 years old, looking back on your life, what do you feel like you will have spent too much time worrying about? And what do you feel like you will have not spent enough time doing? Because, you know, if you're skipping 
celebrations or birthday events or all of these things because you're worried about the food that, that's going to be there or the cake that you might have to eat. Like it's literally then stopping you from actually living your life and being that best version of yourself, which isn't fun for anyone because at the end of the day, like this is it. This is our one shot at life. We don't yeah. get to come back and do a take two of this. So you want to make sure that you are the one in complete control over food rather than letting food actually control you. Yes. Yeah. I could not agree more. Yeah. And it is, it's such a, there's the two aspects of like the psychological aspect and the nutrition aspect. And I remember after I graduated and got my nutrition degree, I actually went off and was like, okay, I have to study like more in in the the psychology part of this because it is, it's peeling back those layers. It's getting to the root of it. It's unlearning these core beliefs that we have actually shaped around food. And I think, and I know that we'll, we'll talk about misconceptions around intuitive eating later on, but like there is this idea that as soon as you start having food freedom and you let go of that quote unquote control that you have, that you're just going to let go almost or give in to everything and anything. And it's just not the case. Like nutrition actually still gets to be a big part of this type of journey. Exactly. But you get to kind of choose what you want that to look like and how you want it to feel. And I think you kind of talked about that, but that's such an important starting point Mm -hmm. is really getting clear on like, how do I want to feel in this one life that I get to live in my day to day? And like, are these decisions that I'm making are these like behaviors that I am continuing with are they bringing me closer to that or further away and it can be like this really big kind of aha moment when you look at it that way yeah 100% so I know that we've touched on obviously it's important to heal your relationship with food because it can impact goals social events like just parts of your life but what are some other reasons of why it actually is important to heal your relationship with food Yeah. I mean, I think that like when we're so caught up and like stuck in our head, constantly thinking about food or mentally telling those calories or feeling guilty for what we just ate or stressing about what we're going to eat, like it really is just this massive distraction from our lives. And I think, again, that's like what I, why I'm so passionate about this is because like you, I'm sure you see this too, but in that transformation with clients is it kind of starts off about food, but there's no way that it doesn't kind of bleed into every other area of your life. When you start healing that relationship with food, you'll notice that you're like happier and, you know, more focused and more present in every other area of your life, because you're no longer spending all of this like mental energy and all of this time thinking about food. Right. So I think that like, that's the biggest thing is that when, yeah, when you're so preoccupied, it's very hard to even enjoy life, right? Like it affects your mood, your energy, your relationships, all of those things. Um, And it really kind of disconnects us from who we are at our core. Like Mm -hmm. what are our values? Who is our most like authentic self? So I think that that's definitely one important reason. And then there's like, that's kind of the psychological, mental, emotional side of it. And then there's also like the physical aspect of it that just we don't like when all of that energy again is going to our brain and thinking and overthinking and, um, you know, kind of finding ourselves in these cycles, we just don't have energy for the things that are important in our lives. And I think like, you know, no one kind of starts dieting or starts these restrictions, you know, thinking that they're going to be Mm -hmm. stuck in the same place. But I think that's what I see most often. And like, you know, there's the stat that 95% of diets fail that meaning that, you know, over the course of, you know, one to five years, like 95% of people are not able to stay on a diet. And then 65% of those people end up regaining the weight and more, which is usually kind of what the goal of starting a diet is. Right. So Mm -hmm. 
you know, often what I see is just people cycling through these same behaviors, these same habits, these same, you know, loops for years and years and years and never actually being anywhere different than where they started and often worse off both like physically, mentally and emotionally. So I think, you know, that journey of healing your relationship with food is really about like reconnecting with yourself and coming back to, you know, thinking about what is important in your life, how do you want to show up? And it's really hard to do that when, you know, when there, when you have something like that, just consuming so much of your, your time and energy. Yeah. And it's stressful. And at the end of the day, like the body cannot differ between psychological stress and physical stress. So the mental stress that you're actually putting on yourself of what can I eat? What can I eat? How much did I eat? What I did earlier? What will I eat now? Will I eat tomorrow? Like all of those thoughts, it's stressful. Yeah. And like, if your body then is literally in this fight or flight freeze mode your cortisol levels which is your stress hormone is through the roof so sometimes like actually the stress that you're putting on yourself whether you eat the cookie or don't eat the cookie or what you're yeah. like is actually worse for your health oh, than just absolutely. eating the goddamn cookie and enjoying it and moving on <laughs> totally and like we see that like physically too right like that increased yeah. cortisol and like the impact yeah. that, that has on your health so yeah you totally nailed that there just that yeah, often we like it's with the best intention, but we're doing more harm than good mm. by kind of going after that. So yeah, it's it's a crazy cycle. hundred percent. And a lot of the time it's these core beliefs and these rules and these things that we have learned from whether it's other people in our lives, like parents, coaches, teachers, or diets that we have gone on. And when we get to this point where, okay, it's like now I, I want to heal my relationship with food. I want to actually be an intuitive eater. We typically have to start to unlearn a lot of the rules that we have put in place, which can feel a little bit scary sometimes, and also start to challenge these foods that we have labeled as good or bad or put foods right. up on a pedestal. And so how do you help people actually navigate their way through this? And how can somebody start to challenge their fear foods and their food rules that they've created? Yeah, I think like something that you said there is so important where, you know, it really starts with that awareness and challenging yeah the thoughts and behaviors that we have. So like the very first thing that I actually do with clients is um, kind of introduce, well, a couple, there's kind of two steps, like looking at, you mentioned this as well, but looking at like your core values. So again, people are often like, what does this have to do with nutrition? Like I want to get to the meal plans or get to the like food part of it, but it's so powerful when you start with that and you really kind of take an honest look at like, what are my core values? Mm. And who do I want to show up as? Like, are my core values being present in my life? Is it you know, so core values and core desired feelings, which is like, yeah, how do you want to feel and show up in your day to day? Do you want to feel, you know, energized? Do you want to feel free? Do you want to feel, you know, love and joy and all of those things? And so just establishing that first and then starting to introduce mindfulness, which is, I know, you know, kind of simply put awareness without judgment and that without judgment piece is so important. Um, so often what I find is really helpful is starting with a food journal, which is like very different than food tracking. I think so many people come in and they are already like they're using my fitness pal or whatever form it is of tracking every bite that goes in. So food journal is very different from that. And I, like, I always tell clients, like, if this is triggering in any way, it's like anything, right? Like when, when you're offered tools, you have the option to decide whether it works for you or not. But I find that these are really powerful. And so what they take a look at is not just like what you're eating, but why you're eating and how it makes you feel right. So taking a look at like, you know, 
if you feel like you had like a binge or over eight, like in the afternoon or evening or whatever it is, you can then look at that and say like, Hey, I actually didn't eat all day, or I was skipping carbs all day, or I was feeling really stressed out. And so it gives you that information into what's driving those choices. And again, that piece of the without judgment really comes in there because, you know, it is so hard to not feel that guilt and shame around eating, especially when we've heard that, you know, this food is bad, this food is good, we're good or bad for certain behaviors. So it's really just taking a look at like, why am I doing this? And is it serving me? Is it bringing me closer to or further away from the way I want to feel in my life? Right. So same in the same breath, if you're restricting, like, are you feeling more free? Are you feeling more energized? Are you feeling more joyful? Probably not. So I find that that's like a really helpful piece before, again, looking at nutrition to just kind of see like, cause sometimes it's, you know, I say simple, but obviously as you're working through your relationship with food, none of this is simple, but I find so often with clients, it's actually a matter of eating more. So they're Mm -hmm. constantly in this mindset of like scarcity and cutting back and less is better. But then when we look at it, it's like, okay, if you actually added, you know, a piece of toast to your breakfast, if you added a snack in, you're not going to get to the end of the day and feel hangry and low blood sugar and ravenous. And like, you can't stop eating. Right. So there's just, there's so much information that can be gathered there. So I think those are two really, really powerful pieces. Um, looking at your core values, deciding, you know, what's important to you in your life, what you want to place that energy and focus on. And then from there, starting to build awareness of both like the the food piece of it, and then also your thoughts and your behaviors, right? So you kind of talked about that piece, but it's, it's assessing and start of starting to notice. Cause I think a lot of times people don't realize that these thoughts that they're having are like food rules, right? It's mm-hmm. like can't eat past seven o'clock or like can only include carbs one meal a day or you know, can only eat these foods on Sunday or whatever it is. They've just been like, sometimes they're even subconscious thoughts and beliefs that stem from childhood that they aren't aware of at all. And sometimes it's just assumed that that's normal because they've lived their whole life that way. So then starting to look at those as well and challenging those beliefs and saying, you know, do I believe this? Or was this something that, you know, my, my mom used to say when I was little, or, you know, my friends have said over and over or colleagues or whatever it may be. So when we bring that awareness piece in, we get to notice what it is that's kind of like running on autopilot. And then I call it like taking out the trash. It's like starting to work at getting rid of the thoughts that are, that aren't ours for one, or that aren't serving us anymore. So maybe they've Mm -hmm. become so ingrained that we believe that they're our own beliefs, but starting to challenge, like, is this actually true? And is this serving me? And if not, how can I clear that out so that I can make more space to kind of reprogram those thoughts to support the behaviors and to support the, you know, the goals that I want to live out. hundred percent. And sometimes hardcore physical evidence is so much more powerful than just the words. And you probably see this with your clients so often, like you can sit there and you can tell them everything's going to be okay, that they need to, you know, add that extra slice of of toast to their breakfast. But until you've actually done it and proven to yourself and be like, whoa, I feel so much better. That slice of toast then allows me to stay full for so much longer. I feel better at the end of the day. Like when you actually then have that physical evidence, like, okay, this is solid. Now lean into that and then keep going with that. And 
I think it's what you've mentioned about just being curious, I think is really important because, and you touched on how sometimes you can feel a little bit guilty after challenging some of these things, because obviously you are literally going against the grain of what you have created, like the core beliefs and the values. And so you're trying to re rewrite that. And this is why it is so important to come from a place of curiosity rather than criticism. So even with, when you're having the food and the food journal, for an example, if you note something down and let's say you do overeat or you do binge, it's mm-hmm. not to say that there's anything wrong with that in any way, shape or form. It's just, okay, well, what feedback do I get from this? Like there is never a point of failure and there's never a point of this is bad, criticism, critical. It's just curious. Like, okay, but why did this play out? Maybe the toast wasn't there for breakfast or maybe, you know, I did skip a meal or I drank coffee for breakfast. Okay, cool. <laughs> now that we know that, now we get to actually unpack that and put tools and resources in place for you to yes. work through everything like it's just that constant feedback and relearning of what actually works for your body because for so many years you've probably been trying to morph your body and your life to a diet or to restrictive eating and this type of journey is so much more about working with your body and your life rather than against it yeah and i like so much of it is reframing and i love what you said about like nothing is a failure, right? Like that's often something I talk about with clients. Like if we can reframe failures as learning opportunities, like our first instinct is probably going to be, you know, to, to be really hard on ourselves and have that, like that inner critic comes out again, sometimes it's even subconscious, but if we can just like pause and apply that mindful or that curious lens and just say like, okay, this happened, you know, what, what can I learn from that? Right. So mm-hmm. we do know that often like a binge follows restriction, right? So people yeah. think, oh, it's my willpower, or my lack of willpower, or like I'm so out of control or I'm doing something wrong, but you know, pretty much every time a binge will follow restriction, whether that is a mental restriction of like thinking you shouldn't eat that food or feeling guilty about it or a physical restriction that you haven't eaten enough. And like our bodies mm-hmm. are so smart. They're going to increase our, our hunger hormone. They're going to like make all these adaptations for survival to be like, hello, you need to eat. (laughs) Right. So I think like, that's so powerful. And that's where like the journal can be really helpful because we do like, we're so used to this, you know, what we think is right. Or these beliefs that we think we have that like, sometimes we can only believe when we see it in writing that we're like, oh, I actually didn't eat lunch. Or like you said, I only had coffee for breakfast. Like, of course I'm going to be, you know, having that, that extreme urge to eat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so if somebody is starting to challenge all these fear foods and food rules, and like we mentioned, sometimes that guilt and those intrusive thoughts can be quite strong and quite powerful. I know that you mentioned like taking that breath and just flowing in and trying to reframe frame it but in the moment sometimes it can be quite hard for people to actually move through those feelings of guilt or frustration or shame because they are challenging core beliefs or rules that they have had for years what is your advice of how to actually navigate your way and, and try and overcome that food guilt that they can sometimes experience yeah I mean I think it does take practice and I mm. think you know like you said it's just having that lived experience and it's starting small like starting with what feels comfortable to you and like obviously having that support of someone you trust whether that is like a friend or a family member or your therapist or like a, a nutritionist or a dietitian but like someone if it feels really scary like don't be afraid or embarrassed to get help with that right like there's I think there's so many more people than you think that kind of struggle with these things and so I think like one of the things I teach in my program I call it the map it process where it's like starting with that mindful awareness so really starting with kind of like noticing and paying attention and being curious and holding that space for that information to come in. Um, 
And then from there, it's like the pause, right? So pausing and taking a minute to just, to just notice and, you know, not pass that judgment, but maybe it is like reflecting on that feedback that you get. That's either from your body or written or information, and then it's implementation. So there's lots of things that start before that is like, and I don't think we give ourselves time because we're in this constant like action mode where again, you know, as I was saying initially, it's like, okay, how do I change my diet? What do I do about food? What am I doing wrong? Mm. But it's like taking that time to kind of set that foundation will take you so much further in this journey where you're not like constantly cycling through. So, you know, it, it's taking as much time as you need with that and knowing that that in itself is action and is, you know, you are taking active steps. So then the implementation would be different things. Like you said, sometimes in the moment, it's really hard. So um, sometimes it is like, I think often we're kind of taught that like distractions are bad because they, it depends what the intention is with a distraction. But if it's like, okay, I'm having a craving and I'm gonna, you know, I don't know what, what an example would be, but like, I'm going to brush my teeth or whatever it is, right. To like distract myself and hold off this craving. Um, but sometimes it is kind of, a distraction be good, can be good just to kind of like delay to give you that opportunity to assess like is this is this emotional hunger is it physical hunger is it taste hunger am I just craving the taste of something and again none of those things are bad and in fact like emotional eating isn't bad sometimes we eat for a variety of emotions but it's like when it's our only coping tool that's when it can become a challenge but so sometimes that implementation might look like you know, helping yourself with that pause to assess what's going on, or it might be implementing like eating more, having more at that meal or having that snack and not being afraid to get it wrong. So, you know, maybe you get to that place and you're like, I think I'm like hungry. So I'm going to have a snack to make sure that I don't get overly hungry. Maybe you have that snack and you realize, okay, I was actually, you know, stressed out and it didn't make me feel better again. Great. That's, that's information, that's feedback, and that can help you understand next time. Um, so I think it's really understanding, like there's no right or wrong. It, it takes practice, it's trial and error, and that none of that is failure, but it's all information to help you like gather a variety of tools that can help you in all different kinds of uh, situations. And then the last step of that would be like, it's I call it like the practice, which is basically just repeating it, right? So repeating that over and over until it becomes your natural thought process or behavior. So like one of the things that we, that's really cool that we know in science is that our brains actually have the ability to change, right? Like we're able to actually rewire and reprogram our automatic thoughts, our, our subconscious thoughts. We're, we're able to, like you said, unlearn them and reprogram them. And so one of the ways that we do that is like repetition until it becomes automatic, right? So like an example that's often used is like riding a bike the first time or driving a car. It's like the first time you do it, there's all these things you have to think about. It's like moving your feet, like balancing, making sure there's no one coming, um, you know, in a car, putting your foot on the brake, all of those different things. It's so much thought. And so often when it comes to food too, like I hear clients say like, this just feels so hard. Like, why does it feel so hard? And it is because at the beginning, you have to think so much, you have to apply so much conscious thought, but the more you practice it, it's like almost like you practice, 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 and get to this point where it just like clicks and then it starts to become more natural. And like, that's not to say that you're never going to go back to any of those old thoughts or habits or patterns. Like, of course we're going to, it's been, you know, 20, 30, 40 years for some people that they've been thinking that way. So it's also having that compassion that like, and almost expecting that those times are going to come up and just to kind of go to those tools that work for you or not to be too hard on yourself. If you are kind of like, falling back into those old patterns. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> I kind of went on a tangent there. But. <laughs> no, 100% you did. And I think, yeah, even just the, the part that you mentioned around creating that space can be so powerful. And 
allowing yourself that time and your brain just to recognize and be mindful about what you're doing especially if you are somebody who has been having the rules for so long it's probably just so habitual for you to automatically reach for the food when you feel stressed or like go head straight to the cupboards when you get home from work and so if you can just give yourself that time of like going and having a shower or washing your face it literally just gives you time to be like okay I was about to turn to the food. Is this actually something that I want? And that is going to help yeah. me sometimes, like you said, hundred percent, absolutely. Yes. And other times not so much. And that's okay as yeah. well. Just about being more mindful about what you're actually doing. Again, you being the one in control. Yeah. And I think like sometimes a nice way to look at it is to like ask yourself, like, what is the most loving thing I can do for myself mm-hmm. in this situation? And like you said, none of those things are wrong. So that pauses it to say like, oh, I'm going to like avoid the food. It's just to say, okay, is this actually going to make me feel better or make me feel worse? And not in the sense of like, because I'm going to berate myself afterwards for eating it. But like, absolutely. There's many times in my life to this day where I'm like, yeah, like having some chocolate right now is is going to be the most loving thing. Like this is going to feel good and what I'm going to want. And other times I'm like, you know what? I haven't eaten because I've been in meetings all day. Like I need to make a balanced meal. And other times I'm like, actually, I need to call my mom and just cry (laughs) cry for a minute, right? So it's all about like you said, again, that mindfulness continuously kind of bringing attention to those thoughts and behaviors and just like assessing, assessing how you want to feel. Yeah, absolutely. And so working through our own thoughts can be a bit tricky, but sometimes we can also get those comments from other people as well. Even if it's just a little comment of like, oh, you're not going to eat all of that, are you? Or that's not enough. Like people love to have their input sometimes. And when you're on this journey of actually challenging your food rules and fear foods, Mm -hmm. sometimes those comments from other people, they might not, and they probably don't mean any harm by the comments but the comments can actually impact us quite strongly in those moments because it can get us then second guessing so many things so how can someone actually deal with and move through these comments that they do get from other people whilst they're on this journey yeah that's such an important one to bring up like in intuitive eating that's actually one of the principles is challenging the food police Mm -hmm. it's so common and i think like you said like often it's not with like you know it's not with a harmful intent it's just we're so as a culture and society, we're so like, it's almost normal, like so normalized, right? Diet culture is so ingrained and so normalized. I mean, sometimes it is malicious intent, sometimes it's not. Um, But like, yeah, this can definitely be challenging and triggering. And I think it gets easier as you become more like confident in your eating and confident in your choices and start trusting your body again. But initially, I think it can, it can really throw, you know, throw you for a loop. I actually remember like, way back when I was really kind of in the depths of my struggles, like if someone made any kind of comment, it would just like, sometimes I'd be thinking about it for like days or weeks. It'd be something as simple as like, Oh, you're hungry today. Or like, you know, and I know that it wasn't intended. It wasn't intended to like hurt me, but it was, it started that whole loop of like, well, what's wrong with me? Am I eating more than other people? And all of those kinds of things. So I think a couple of things can be like, again, awareness comes in handy there. And it's just like taking a breath and noticing how you're feeling and um, kind of like why you're feeling triggered. And it can be anything from like removing yourself from the situation. Like if it feels too hard to say anything, go to the bathroom, take a few deep breaths or like, you know, fake a phone call or something, right? Like taking care of yourself is, is not selfish. So that can be one way to do it. Another way is to kind of like have some scripts almost like ready to go, where if you know that you're going into a situation, maybe it's a family dinner or a work event or whatever it is. And you know, that maybe there's certain people or, you know, that's somewhere that you're going to kind of be triggered by some of those comments. It can be kind of having some of those scripts. So even just saying like, if you're comfortable saying something like, you know what, like that, I'm just kind of working through, you know, 
learning about what feels best for me right now, or I'm, you know, that comment isn't helpful or whatever it may be. It can be any kind of range, depending on how comfortable you are with that person, or even like making a joke if you're not comfortable being, you know what I mean? And kind of deflecting. So there's a lot of different things like that. And then it can help to kind of just you know, when you are in a safe space to do some of that reflection again, or maybe even journaling and kind of get to the root of why it was triggering for you, because that will probably give you more information about kind of like where you're at and some of those maybe thoughts that need to be challenged again. And then I think the other thing there is just to continue, you know, practicing that connection with your body and trusting yourself, which really can only be done through practice and through that lived experience. And like I promised whoever's listening it does get easier over Mm -hmm. time um but yeah I mean I just like I have so much compassion for because I've been there and I know how I know how hard and triggering that can be and it's just something that unfortunately is probably not going to completely go away um but does get does get easier as you get more confident in your journey yeah absolutely I remember one thing that helped me on my journey was that fact that at the end of the day like we have no control over what other people say or what other people do but I always built up this wall almost of any comment that anyone else has to make about my food choices my exercise whatever I'm doing is purely a projection from something that they haven't actually worked through themselves and so any comment that somebody made like oh my goodness you're not eating that are you or you know Mm -hmm. and especially being a nutritionist as well I feel like we can sometimes people have ideas of how we should should be eating and so those comments I still get to this day as well but I literally would just think like I'd just say yeah like this is what I'm having and internally in my head I'm just like the fact that you feel the need to make that comment honestly right. means that you have something like whether you are you know you wish you could eat this or you you yeah. would feel guilty if you were eating like there's something that's going on inside them that they actually felt the need to project that and to make that comment and for me I just brought up a wall of that's okay they literally have something right. that they got to work through which is their choice whether they do or do not but I'm here in my own lane doing my own thing and I know that my life is going to be lived with food freedom and not allowing that stress and the fact that I can sit here and eat like I don't know, a random cinnamon scroll on a, a random Tuesday morning right like it is awesome and cool and I'm going to lean into that and honor that and I think it's just yeah understanding that we have no control so if we can just learn to not actually absorb and take that energy Absolutely. in it allows us to keep moving forward on our journey easier said than done and like a lot of practice but yeah. like you said when you keep putting the reps in it does eventually get easier absolutely i think that's such an that's a, such a great tip is just yeah recognizing that it has nothing to do with you mm-hmm. right and, yeah. and i think that can help you too like if you're feeling triggered too it's just that reminder of like okay right this is this is this has nothing to do with me this is a reflection of their own beliefs and i think that's where those core values can come in again because yeah. you the example of having like the cinnamon roll in the morning or whatever it is if you've established that, like, yeah, I want to feel free. I want to, I want food to bring pleasure and enjoy into my life. Um, you know, when you, when you're also firm and understanding and knowing and being reconnected to those core values and core feelings in that moment of feeling, I'm sure you can come back to be like, no, you're right. Like I am living in line with my values. So that's for them. This is for me. I feel good about it. And like you said, you don't always have to explain. It's like, yeah, this is what I'm eating. Mm. And that's right. Yeah, exactly right. Like it's yeah. not them that's sitting down eating it. You actually don't know anyone an explanation of why right. and what you're eating. And so I know that you also help people with meal planning. And I'd love for us to chat about how can meal planning actually help with food freedom? Because I feel like a lot right. of people, they come from these histories of they've probably been on very strict or rigid meal plans before. And I know that this doesn't actually have to be the case. So did you want to touch on like yeah. how food freedom and meal planning go together? 
Totally. I mean, I think that this can, that can often seem very counterintuitive to like put mm-hmm. those two things together. And as a dietitian, like who always has kind of been more interested in this food freedom and, you know, allowing people to eat the way that they want to make their own decisions. Mm. Initially, so I would, when I first started out, I would get a ton of requests for meal plans. And initially I'd be like, I'm not going to do a meal plan. Like I can't decide for you what you want to eat. But what I found like time and time again, was just that this ended up being such a barrier for people because they were so overwhelmed with like the constant decision overwhelm, or if they were working through like this emotional stuff, it was just too hard to like pile on top, having to meal plan and, and make those decisions. And so, um, it can be a really great support in so many different ways. I think for one often, you know, like I said, at the beginning, one of the biggest challenges and maybe surprises that I find with clients is that they're actually not eating enough, whether that's eating regularly enough throughout the day or eating meals that are balanced enough that are actually going to keep them full more than, you know, 30 minutes, or maybe they're not eating the foods that they crave frequently enough. And so they're kind of like on this pedestal and they're saving them for cheat days or whatever it is. Um, so have like meal planning, it can be such a helpful tool to have that food ready to go. So I, I teach my clients like a very simple kind of like prep method where you're not batch prepping or eating like chicken, broccoli and rice, but it's like an ingredient prep where you just take like an hour at the beginning of the week, have some ingredients ready to go so that meals can come together quickly, or that a few things are ready to go as is so that when you need something, it's there to grab it. So, I mean, meal planning can look like that, or it can also be just thinking through what kinds of foods do you need to have on hand so that you do have, maybe it's even a package snack or whatever it is that's ready to go when you need it. So that you're a, you know, not letting yourself get overly hungry and B, you're just kind of taking some of that stress and decision overwhelm and mental load off. Uh, And I think the thing too, like any kind of meal planning or meal prep, there can absolutely be flexibility with it. So it's all about how you approach it and um, understanding that like recipes are a template. If you want to swap different things out, or if you want to mix things around, or, you know, there's so many different ways that you can kind of modify them to suit your preferences or your needs, but having, having food ready to go, I think like, it's hard to argue that that, you know, isn't a nice, isn't a nice thing to have. And isn't going to kind of support you physically, mentally, and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I think you're right. There are so many good uses for, for meal planning and, just having the food on hand, like it removes decision fatigue throughout the week Mm -hmm. as well. A lot of us do live quite busy, fast paced lives. And if you can have options on hand that you know are going to be mentally satisfying and like physically nourishing in the sense that it has all of your macronutrients, your proteins, your carbs, your fats, your micronutrients, like it's tasty and delicious, then amazing. Like it literally makes your week go or feel like it's running so much smoother because it does lunchtime doesn't come around and you're like, I'm ravenous, but I don't have anything. What do I do? Uh, Like, like, you know, there's so much else that we've got to think. So 100%. And I also think for so many people, it can be a really nice stepping stone of when they're starting this journey and, and starting to challenge a lot of their fear foods of actually seeing how it can work within a balanced day as well right. and just take away some of that anxiety that they might be feeling I'm like oh, yeah. okay like I can actually enjoy you know chocolate and dessert and ice cream like every night if I want to now that I've seen how it can look and I still get to have all my meals all my snacks and just changing their mindset around what a day could look like because again a lot of people might have some skewed ideas of what their day and what eating should be like for them because they have been on a diet that is super restrictive or intermittent fasting or cutting carbs or whatever it is and so just getting them to relearn how to again work with their body rather than against it is so powerful yeah yeah 
Absolutely. And I think like another thing too, is like when you do kind of get to that nutrition piece, I think as people start to understand like, oh yeah, I did feel better when I included carbs at this Mm -hmm. meal or I like, you know, or maybe we're even providing education on like the benefits of fiber that it makes you feel feel more full or that like fats are going to more satisfying is just like, again, so much information overload that it's like, okay, I know I need to do this, or maybe I've tried it out and I've experienced that this is helping me. But the idea of coming up with a, with meals and snacks day in and day out in order to carry that out, it, yeah, it just it can just be too much. So yeah, I think it can help in a lot of different ways. And again, for people to remember that like recipes, meal plans, whatever it is, they're a template. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, just like we talked about with some of the tools, it's like take what works for you and let go of what doesn't. Um, and, and yeah, and kind of go from there. Yeah. I could not agree more. And so what would you say are the two top common myths or misconceptions that you actually hear about intuitive eating? Yeah. I mean, I think definitely like, especially with it kind of gaining popularity on social media, there's this Mm. idea of like, it's just like pizza and donuts all day long. Right. Which of course that's like sexier and more fun to see on social media. And to a certain extent, like that beginning part of intuitive eating is really about giving yourself unconditional permission to eat these foods that have been off limits. And initially there isn't, yeah, there, you might want to eat a lot of those foods because they've been so restricted and so off limits. Um, but we know that like, like research shows something called food habituation does come into play. There was like a really popular study that was done on university students where they were kind of given unlimited access to pizza. And over time, like it just showed that they didn't want to eat it anymore. Like that's really kind of condensing it, but I'm sure we've all experienced this in some form, whether it is like, you know, you order takeout and you're eating the same thing for a few days, or you have a big holiday meal and those leftovers are lasting throughout the week. Like the day that you first ate them, they might've been like delicious and you couldn't stop eating them and couldn't get enough. But eventually over time, no matter what that food is, it's going to lose that appeal. Mm. It's not going to taste as good. It might even be making you feel sick. Um, So again, nothing wrong with those foods, but when we have permission, like such a beautiful thing happens is like, it's no longer this food that's on pedestal. That's like, you you can't have it because we know that we want what we can't have when we actually have that opportunity to say like, yeah, I can have this anytime I want. I can have more tomorrow. I can have more next week. Like it's always on the table. It allows us to actually check in and say like, is this still tasting good? Is this feeling good? Is this satisfying? So like, that's another kind of like thing that I run clients through is just checking in with yourself. What would taste good? What would feel good? And what would be satisfying? And absolutely. Sometimes that's going to be pizza and donuts. And sometimes that's going to be like one of the things I also find people are often surprised about is like, that they find themselves craving a salad because they realize I actually like the freshness and the crunch of salad. But when I looked at it as diet food, I didn't want to eat it. And when pizza was off the table, that's all I wanted. So it's kind of like, you know, giving permission, that unconditional permission kind of like neutralizes these foods to just be food. So you can see them for what they are. You can choose when you want them. You can choose when you don't, but you're actually connected to your body and your mind and understanding, you know, what is feeling good. And I find that like, what? well, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a case where it doesn't end up landing on a combination of all of those foods. But again, you're in the driver's seat of deciding when, how much feels good, what combination that's with. Um, So I think that's like, that is definitely one of them. And then another one is that like intuitive eating is like anti-health and anti-weight loss. And like that one's a little, the weight loss one is like kind of sticky, but like, yeah, there's so much misconception that, that intuitive eating is anti-health because it's like eat pizza, eat donuts, eat ice cream. It's not anti-health at all. Like, you know, nutrition is one of the pillars of intuitive eating, but it's just, you know, like taking that focus off of that being the only thing and integrating it 
how and when it feels good. And I think as far as like the weight loss pieces, like sometimes weight does change, you know, when you're eating intuitively, but the, you know, the idea is that you, that that's not the goal or the focus because when it is, when those external goals are kind of what we're after, we end up being stuck in our heads and out of our bodies. So we can never truly reconnect and understand our hunger, our fullness cues. So it's not anti any of those things or being like, you can't be an intuitive eater if, you know, if any of these things are happening, but it is definitely putting those things on the, well, not, not with the health piece, but with the weight, it's like put, putting that on the back burner so that you can focus on the behaviors and, you know, what is truly going to make you feel good, which that is often a distraction from. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important that we do bust all these myths and tear down these misconceptions because at the end of the day, like you want to live a life where you do have that freedom around food because it does change so many other areas of your life. And when you take that back that control in food, guaranteed you take back control in other areas too, which is so powerful. Now I do have some quick fire questions for you. Okay. Are you ready for these? Yes. I think so. <laughs> what is one thing that you must do every morning to set your day up? So I would say like, I'm not perfect at this, but one thing that like, this is something that I've integrated into my life for like, I don't know, probably six or seven years now is gratitude journaling in the morning. So I love the five minute journal because it literally does just, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it literally takes five minutes. So you just start your day with like three things you're grateful for three things that would make the day great. And kind of like an affirmation for the day. And then you come back to the end of the day and reflect on what went well that day and kind of what did you learn? So first, like that is, I'd say that that's one of the most like consistent practices I've kept up. And I've just noticed such it's helped me through some really hard times in my life. And it's just, again, helped that to become more of a habit or a habitual way of thinking is like looking for the positive or noticing gratitude in my day to day. So that is one thing that I like, no matter what try to do, there's a few other things that I try to do that again, like it's not every day, but um, meditation and then just like movement in some way. And again, that's bringing that lens of like, what feels good. So is it a walk? Is it, you know, lifting some weights or is it, you know, whatever that is, that feels good to you. So that was a couple of things, but I love <laughs> it for sure. hundred mm percent. -hmm. And what is one thing that everyone can do every day to improve their life? I think honestly, like, I think the, the gratitude thing is huge. It doesn't have to be structured or like a journal, but like, I think that that is a huge one is just like starting your day, thinking about three things that you're grateful for. And I think you'll notice that you start to find or notice those opportunities in your day a lot more. Mm. I think that can be really impactful. Yeah, absolutely. What is your favorite quote and why? Okay. This is such a hard one. Cause I feel like it like changes week to week or like, I always see different ones that are really, you know, that, that I find have like a big impact, but one that I kind of came across again recently that was that I had seen before was like how we live our days is how we live our lives. Mm. And I think that that's like, again, really powerful with what we're talking about today, but kind of in all aspects of our lives. I think so often we're focused on this like big goal or where we want to end up or, you know, what we kind of see in the future and at the sacrifice of like what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis or how we feel on a day-to-day -day basis. So I really think it is those small things every day, again, coming back to your core values and how you want to feel because ultimately, you know, you said this at the beginning, like we kind of have this one, this one shot, this one life to live. And if we're not feeling aligned with our core values and our authentic self in our day to day, like we really aren't living a life that way either. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, one question that I do love to ask all my podcast guests is in the distant future, when you are looking back at your life, what do you think will be your biggest achievement or one thing that you will be most proud of? And this could be something that you've actually already achieved, or it could also be something that you're hoping to do in the future. Oh, man, I don't know. Like, I think with my work, it's just mm-hmm. continuing to kind of like have this impact and grow this community of people yeah. that feel like seen and understood for who they are and support each other. And just like, I really want to continue doing this work and having this impact. I think like professionally, that would be it. And personally, like, I think being a mom is just been like the hardest and most fulfilling thing that I've done. And like, I just feel like I'm constantly learning from my kids and learning about myself. And I think like really at the end of the day, when I strip it all away, like that's really what is important is like family and being with the people that I love. Mm, I love that. Did you want to tell the audience what you have coming up, if anything exciting for them and where the listeners can actually go to find you? Yeah, sure. So I have, I'm actually, so I've actually been on maternity leave for the last like year ish. Um, And so I'm just opening the doors to my program, make food feel good, which is like a 10 week guided program where we walk people through all of these steps to, you know, transform their relationship with food mentally, physically, emotionally, um, and really integrate like intuitive eating and feel good nutrition. So that is, Um, the doors are going to be opening later next week. So I'm really excited to be starting with that. Uh, And then I've also been in the editing stage, but I've just written my first cookbook. So that is coming up, but (laughs) not for a while. It's the longest process ever. I really had no idea. Um, So it doesn't come out until December of next year. So they'll be waiting on that for a while, but those are a couple of things that I'm really excited about. And as far as where to find me, um, I'm on Instagram, uh, lindsayplascott.rd um, and all of the, all of the platforms, TikTok, mm. kind of <laughs> dipping my toes in there. Um, Pinterest, I have like a YouTube channel that I'm kind of on and off with, but hoping to come back to that. And then my website is kind of like where all of the information is, tons of recipes, lots of resources. And that's just lindsayplascott.com. I love it. Amazing. And I'll put all of the links to everything in the show notes so that all of the listeners have easy access to go and find you, connect with you, look at the programs and everything that you're running. But sounds like so many exciting things coming up. That is super, super cool. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything that you have with us today. I feel like so many people will be walking away with some golden nuggets of how they can start their journey or continue on with their journey of healing their relationship with food and finding their sweet spot with food freedom and intuitive eating. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I loved chatting with you and just though obviously the work that you're doing, the impact you're having on your community and clients too, is just amazing. We need more nutritionists and dietitians out there like this to kind of just really push that food freedom message. So yeah, thank you for having me. What an amazing and empowering episode today with Lindsay. It was so great chatting about this topic. Obviously it is one other topics that I am most passionate about, I would love to hear from you. What was one of your key takeaways? Just head over to my Instagram, which is KJ Wellness with three S's and send me a message because as always, I really, truly love connecting with every single one of you. But I hope you enjoy the rest of the day or evening whenever you are listening to this and I will chat with you in the next episode very soon. Bye.